Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. Well, good morning. So good to be here. It's just good to be at the Kirk. I I feel like it's a blessing every time I get to show up in this room. uh, I feel like it's God's favor that my family and I get to be here. What a blessing it is. And just to have the opportunity to stand up here and open God's word in front of you, I will tell you, I know deep in my heart, uh, it's only by the grace of God that I'm in the place I'm in and my life, my life would be a wreck without Jesus. That's so true. And so just thankful for the way uh, that he's given me favor in my life and chosen to use me and to be in a room full of people that God is using in this city and in this world. It's just fun to be able to gather together uh, with one another. Now, I got a question. I know, I know the answer from most of this section right here, but just raise your hand real quickly if you kind of at least kind of like Chick-fil-A. Yes, most of you. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to ask you to turn on your imaginations for a second. I'm going to tell you a story, and I want you to insert yourself as the main character. So I'm just going to be referring to you, okay? So imagine that you live not in a big town like Tulsa, but in a small town out in the middle of Oklahoma somewhere. There's not much going on there. There's not much to do. And you, the bad news we start with is you've never had Chick-fil-A before. You've heard about it. People have talked about it. It's like three hours to the nearest Chick-fil-A. But the good news is one is about to open in your little teeny tiny town. I don't know why they chose to build it there, but they did. And you are excited to get to try it for the first time. And they're doing a big promotion where they're giving away like seven kind of Willy Wonka style gift certificates where if you get one of these, you're going to win free Chick-fil-A every day for a year. I think I actually do that sometimes. But let's just say for the sake of the story that you actually win. You get one of the tickets. And so you're going to get to go every day. The catch is you have to be the one to go. You don't get to share it. You, it's all for you. So that might be good news. We'll see. So you win the gift certificate. It's all for you. The bad news is the very first time you show up at Chick-fil-A and you take out that beautiful sandwich from the bag and you take a bite, your, your mouth starts to tingle and your throat starts to swell a little bit and you realize you're allergic to Chick-fil-A. So you've got a year's supply and you're allergic. You can't even use it. That's bad news. But the good news, I guess, kind of, is a year later you realize that the other six winners are not in very good shape. Health-wise, they're not doing so well. It turns out, while Chick-fil-A is delicious, it's probably not that healthy to eat it every day for a year. And so you've kind of been blessed by missing out on that. The bad news is the other six, because it's a small town, you know them all. They're good friends of yours. And so now you've got six friends that aren't in very good shape because they've eaten so much Chick-fil-A. But the good news is that Chick-fil-A says that they will be very generous and they will pay lots of money for them to recover and for their health care. And you so happens that you're the only doctor in town. So you're going to be making big money. Cha-ching for you. It's going to be good. That's good news. The bad news is that when the first payment comes, they're paying you in gift cards to (laughs) Chick-fil-A. And you can't use them. But you can, the good news is you can share these So you give them to all your friends in the town and everybody's going to have Chick-fil-A until the next week it burns down. And we could go on and on. But 
It's a story of good news, bad news, which kind of is our life story in some ways. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, the one I just told you. But in a lot of ways, our life is a good news, bad news story. There are days that are really good where good things happen to us, and there are days when the news is not so great, at least from our perspective. And that's true, too, of Joseph. As we've been looking at his story, it's kind of a good news, bad news. Things seem to be going his way, and then something happens, and it turns. And then they start going his way again, and then it turns. And so when we think about the idea of favor, which I really want to focus in on that today, I just want to define it for our day today and maybe for you moving forward to think about favor a little bit differently. Favor might be things going your way from the world's perspective. They might be you getting the job you're hoping for. They might be you making the team you're hoping for. They might be you getting the grade. Maybe that's God's favor, but it's not always the case. Actually, some things that we think are going to be good for us draw us away from what God is actually wanting. And sometimes things that don't seem good in the world's eyes are actually God drawing us into the things that he's wanting and forming us into the person he wants to be. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I was newly married, I had a baby, I got an internship right out of college at First Pres in Colorado Springs, and I loved the job, and I loved the church, and I loved the people, but it was only a year-long internship, so when it was over, I was hoping they would offer me a job, but there wasn't one available, so I started looking, and I found this opportunity in Maine, which was a far ways away, but it was like the perfect, it was going to be the perfect job, I was going to be so excited to go, so I thought, I'm going to move my family like a thousand miles away, it's going to be great, we were ready They were going to build this whole new gym, and I was going to be the sports and camp director thing. And they called me not long before we were supposed to to head out and say, you know what, the whole thing, we're scrapping it. We're not doing it. We're not building the thing. We're not doing the job. And I was like, whew, okay, I thought God was setting me up for something awesome here, and, and it just fell through. And so I thought, okay, now I don't. I want to go into ministry. That's my heart. I don't have anything to do now. So I spent the next nine months Um, working for a restaurant supply company for one of the guys in the church and delivered stuff and um, just waited, praying for God to open something. Nine months later, he did. The job I was hoping for nine months earlier opened at First Pres where I was, and I stuck back in full-time and ended up spending the next 17 years of my life and ministry working at First Pres in Colorado Springs, which was a huge blessing. But in the moment, the day that I got the phone call that the thing wasn't happening, it didn't feel so awesome. But a lot of times we can look back, right? And we see how God was at work, how something disappointing might actually have been for our benefit. And so as we look at God's favor today, I want to just look at a few things with you real quick that that help us think about his favor in a way that I think will be helpful moving forward. And the first is that his favor and proximity go hand in hand with each other. Let me just read uh, where we left off this last week. So if you remember, Joseph's story was the back and forth of good and bad. When he was young, he was the last born kid to his parents. They were in their old age, and he was the favored child. His parents treated him very well. His brothers were kind of jealous. And then he also gets these, these dreams of promise from God. And God tells him, like, at least the way that they were interpreted at that point, that his brothers and his parents were going to be bowing down to him. He was going to be in charge somehow. They didn't really understand it. His dad was kind of gracious with him, but his brothers were not. And so he had this great promise, but then his brothers take him and they have this plan to kill him. But instead they throw him in a pit and then they sell him into slavery. That's 
bad news. But he ends up with Potiphar, which we read last week in his home as his servant, and God is with him there. And he receives favor, not only from God, but from Potiphar. And he's given this position that's really great and lots of power, and everything he does flourishes, and things are going well for him again until, if you remember, Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him, and Potiphar has to throw him into prison. And so that's where we pick up today. I know you heard it read before, but I'm going to read it one more time right here, starting in the second half of verse 20. Verse 39, think about last week, because the things that happen in Potiphar's house are very similar to the things that are happening here. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all he held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Because the Lord was with Joseph, he gave him success in whatever he did. And so we think about favor and proximity. We think about this idea of God being with us, and what does that have to do with the favor that we find in our life? Well, first I would say that God's presence with us is his favor. The fact that God always takes the first step, and he walks into our lives, and he draws us near, that's very different than any other religion you're going to find in the world. Those are all about our journey trying to find a God out there and reach out and earn our way. And yet we read in God's word that he takes the first step, that he comes and he draws us near and he steps into our life, which is great favor for us. This book is full of promises of God with us, of Jesus near to us, of the presence of his Holy Spirit in our life, which is pretty amazing. But God's presence also precedes his favor, and we see that happening here in this story. I mean, if you think about it, God did not save Joseph from being sold into slavery. He could have, but he didn't. Instead, he went with Joseph as he entered slavery. And God could have kept Joseph out of prison, but he didn't. He entered prison with Joseph and was there with him, blessing him. And if you look at these three verses from from last week and this week, 39.2 says, "...the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered." 39.21 39.21 says, The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And 39.23, The Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So any success that Joseph was having in the roles that he was given as he found favor with others was because the Lord was with him. When Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt, it would have been really easy for him to say, I'm done with that life. I'm done with those people. I'm done with that God. As I enter Egypt, I'm going to do what they're doing. I'm going to worship the gods that they're worshiping. I'm just going to be all here. But he doesn't do that. He holds on to God. He continues to trust in God. Instead of running away in the difficulty, he holds tight to the Lord. And the Lord uses that in his life. And there's something about Joseph that Potiphar and the prison warden and others notice, and we're not really told what it is in Scripture. We're not told if they heard him talking about his faith in God. We're not told if they heard him praying to God or lamenting to God about what was going on. All we know is that they saw that he was near to God and that God was blessing him, and when they saw that, they wanted to put him in positions that also brought them benefit as well. And when I think about that, I I think about the truth that it's always in our benefit to lean into God's presence. 
And I think most of us, and I would say including myself, probably spend way less time doing that than we should. And sometimes I think we wonder, like, why, why am I not finding success? Or why is this so frustrating? Or why do I feel so stuck? And then it's easy to think, I'm ignoring the Lord in my life. I'm spending no time with Him. I know He loves me and He's with me, but I'm not giving Him attention back. And what this seems to be saying is the best thing we can do, at least the best start, is to turn to God, to realize He's with us, to embrace His presence, to enjoy it, to rest in it, to let it do something in our hearts and start to change us so that we can be used by Him in this world. I love what Jesus says in John 15, 5, when he talks about his presence with us. You know probably this section maybe about the vine and the branches, but he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will, you will bear much fruit. If you do not remain in me, you can do nothing. So he's talking about that connection. He's talking about that proximity, that if we want to be used by him in our world, like Joseph is going to be, we need to be close. We need to abide. And when we do that, we will bear fruit. And so we see that happen next in Joseph's life as we get introduced to a couple more characters in the story, a cup bearer and a baker. Who those just sound like, okay, it's a guy who holds a cup and a guy who makes bread. That seems pretty common. But if you look into it, you realize like these were people of very high position in Potiphar's world, and they were kind of his right-hand guys, and they were responsible for protecting him and providing things for him. And here they come into the story. It tells us, starting in 40, verse 1, sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with the two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them into custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad? today. And not only does God's favor have something to do with proximity, I think we're going to see now that God's favor and open hands have something to do with each other. Joseph was put in charge of all the prisoners. He was the one, and he kind of had a choice, I guess, of how he was going to act and how he was going to lead and what he was going to do. He had the favor of being in charge, and now he had to choose and I think things probably went really well for him. They had to be going well if the, if the warden was kind of like hands off. He just kind of did his own thing, and he trusted everything was going well for Joseph, and so he was just going to keep going. But I think that happened because things were going smoothly, and I think they were going smoothly for Joseph because it tells us that God was showing him kindness, and my guess is, by what we read next, that he was showing the same kind of kindness to the prisoners that he was in charge of. He wasn't holding things over them. He wasn't being mean to them. He wasn't making it all about himself, but he acted like a servant. And he went to serve them as best he could. He notices what's going on in their lives. You know, and when they said, told them what was going on, and they told them that um, 
which you'll read in just a second. But he, he could have said, why are you so sad? Or he could not even cared. He could have just walked by and not, not cared why they were looking sad. Just figured, I'm doing my thing. I'm okay. Let's move forward. But we're going to see here that God uses, he continues to use Joseph. He used Joseph in Potiphar's house to bless him. He's going to use jo- uh, Joseph to bless prisoners. And we're going to see as we move forward that he uses Joseph to bless many, many many others. And I think it's a good indication for us as we think about whether or not we're in God's favor. This thing about like where are we holding on tight to what God's giving us? Or are we sharing it with others? Is he giving us his favor and are we giving it to others? Are we wanting, longing to be used by him? Even in hard places. This isn't like a great spot for Joseph, but even in the hard spot of prison, his mind is how can I serve others who are here with me? And when you do that, it changes your perspective. And it opens new opportunities. And that's what we see for Joseph. He notices their sorrow, and he asks about it. And here's what they say when he asks. He says, why are you so sad? And they say, we both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. And so you get a picture now why they're sad. In that day, dreams were a big deal, especially when people that were important had dreams and they had people who were around them that were supposed to be the ones that could interpret their dreams. Well, these two guys are in prison. They don't have access to these people anymore. And so we see that they're sad. Not really that they have a dream, but that they don't understand and they don't think they have any way to understand. But Joseph knows something. He knows that God knows. He remembers probably that God gave him dreams a long time ago when he was like a 17-year-old. And he's trusting that God, if he gave him dreams, maybe he gave these guys dreams, and he knows that God knows what their dreams mean. And so while he could have said, they said, hey, we got dreams, we don't know what they mean, he could have been like, hey, sounds like a personal problem, that's too bad, walk off and do his thing. Instead, he shows compassion. And he says, tell me your dreams. And he puts a focus on God. He wants to help. And I feel like Joseph is living out this verse from Proverbs, which is one of my favorites, that tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and he will make your path straight. He knows in his own life, he probably doesn't really understand what's going on, like why the roller coaster of ups and downs. But he trusts that God knows. And even in this moment, when he has a chance to do something cool and interpret a dream, he acknowledges that God, it's God that can do it. It's God that understands. It's God that's in charge. It's God that's setting the stage here. He acknowledges him. And even though his, from our definition, like a straight path, his doesn't seem that straight at the moment, but I think God is taking him where he wants him to go. You know, there's a verse that I love to hear. It's another common one. I love to hear it when things are going good. I don't love hearing it so much when things are going bad. It's Romans 8, 28. And it, it, we see it playing out in Joseph's life. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Isn't that a great verse when like stuff is going the way you want it to go and you're like, yes, what confirmation I have right now of that verse in my life. And while we know it's true in the hard times, we don't like to hear it because we don't feel it doesn't feel like it's true, right? 
But the good news is our faith is not all about feelings. It's about what God is really doing. There's another verse in John 20, 29. It's after, Thomas, it's after Jesus is raised from the dead and he's having this conversation with Thomas and Thomas is having a hard time believing and Thomas wants to touch him and feel him and see the holes in his hands. And, and he gets to and he says, I believe, now I believe. And Jesus says something that's really important. He says, blessed are those who believe in it even when they can't see. And, and it's not just about that time with Thomas and Jesus. I think it plays out in our own stories. When things are happening, we can't understand. We can't see the purpose. We can't see where he's taking us. But when we believe, even though we can't feel it, even though it doesn't feel like he's doing good things, we can trust that he's working out his will and that we are in his favor, even if it doesn't feel like we are. And so they tell Joseph their dreams, and he interprets them. And I'm just going gonna, gonna to give you the the short version here of what happened. So the, the cupbearer says, here's my dream. So I saw like these three vines and there were these great grapes growing on them. And so I grabbed some of the grapes and I squeezed them into the cup and I put the cup in the hand of Pharaoh. And Joseph says, let me tell you what that means. It means in three days that Pharaoh's going to lift you up out of here and he's going to restore you back to the position that you were in before. And I'm sure the cupbearer's like, sweet, that's what I was hoping it meant. That's good news for me. And then the baker, I imagine, was kind of like, oh, 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 me, me, me too. I got a dream too. I heard that is good news for him. So let me tell you my dream. So he tells his dream as well as Joseph. And he says, okay, Joseph, here's mine. So I've got these three baskets of bread on my head, like over my head, and they're full of breads. But the problem is that the birds keep coming and they're eating the bread out of the basket. And I don't know how Joseph broke the news. I mean, this really isn't that funny. But he had to tell him, like, you're, the news isn't good for you. You're not going to survive this. It means in three days you're going to be taken out of here too, but you're going to be executed. Good news for one, bad news for another. And then Joseph has to wait for those three days and see. I'm pretty sure this is what's going to happen. I'm trusting God is going to happen, but is it going to happen? And it's interesting within that story that after he gives the cupbearer the good news, he, asks, he gives him a request. He asks something back of him. And this is what he says in verses 14 and 15. But when all goes well for you, he's trusting that it's going to be true. When all goes well for you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried out of the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being in this dungeon. So he's saying, I'm giving you some good news. Can you give me some back and tell me that you will let Pharaoh know what I've done for you? And he's trusting. I think his hope is that when that happens, Pharaoh's going to come and he's also going to take him out of prison. And maybe he's going to be freed. And maybe he will start to realize God's plan for him. But that's not how it plays out. Joseph had been sold into slavery when he was like 17 or 18 years old. He's now 28 in prison. And so from the day he was sold into slavery, it's been like 11 years in this time frame of slavery, going into Potiphar's house, being in prison. And we're not given the breakdown of like how many years in each place, but it's been a long time. This isn't like a few weeks or a couple months. It's a long time for him of wondering, when will the promises that God has given me come true? And yet he's remained faithful, faithful, trusting giving himself, serving others. 
And so here's the point, I think, where he's like, finally, it's going to happen. I'm going to get out. Things are going to go my way. It's going to be good. And we get to the last verse, verse 23. The chief priest, or the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot about him. And so once again, as Joseph thinks he's going this way, detour, disappointment. God apparently has something else in store for him. And it's this idea of needing to take the long view. Sometimes things happen quick and God works quickly in our lives. A lot of times we have to take a longer view and we have to trust that God's timing is a little different than maybe what I'm hoping for. And even when it's been a long time that I've been waiting for a promise or I'm hoping he'll do something, I'm just going to, in those moments, I'm going to ask God and pray, will you just be changing my heart? Will you be transforming me into the person you want me to be? So when that time comes, I will be ready to do what it is you've asked me to do. Help me to be patient in this and to trust you. So God proves himself faithful. He sees that the dream interpretation were right. God was right. The dreams he gave, he interpreted. And I'm sure that gave him encouragement in his own life that, okay, that must mean that the dreams he gave me are also going to come true. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I'm going to hope and I'm going to trust. And so we end today where the story cuts off and again kind of a cliffhanger of disappointment. How long is it going to be? How long is he going to have to wait? And I know maybe you're like me. I've had times in my life where I've been extremely disappointed where I've been given promises or put my hope in people in this world or things that I think are going to happen and they don't. It just doesn't happen. Or people forget because we're faulty and we let people down and they let us down and we feel forgotten. And sometimes we are by other people. And Joseph maybe felt forgotten by God. But we see as we move forward in the story, he's not. And in those moments that you feel like you're forgotten, I would encourage you, don't give up in that moment. Don't stop reading because the story's not over yet. He's got more to come, even though it may take a while. I remember not long ago in my family having some really hard stuff happening, and I had to to express the hard prayer to say to the Lord, no matter how long it takes and no matter how hard it has to get, if you will just have us all closer to you in the end of this, it's worth it. That's what I want. And then it's been really cool over the last couple of years to watch God work and him to do things in the life of my family and people that I love. He is faithful. And Joseph didn't know the end of his story. We don't know the end of ours. But Joseph did have promises from God. And he was going to hang on to those promises as tight as he could. And we have promises. We have a whole lot of promises from God. And a lot of them are really good ones, like about his presence with you and about the peace that he offers you in the midst of hard things with his presence. It's about that he's about transforming your life and making you a new creation, and that there's promises down the road, and there's promises here, but there's also promises like this one that says, in this world you will have trouble. We should expect it. We should know that it's not always going to go the way that the world would say, this is great, God's blessing you in great ways, but God might just be doing something in your life that you can't see. And so I hope today you might be encouraged as maybe you or somebody you know is in a hard season 
or knowing that many of you will come upon hard seasons as the days go by, that you might remember Joseph. You might remember his heart to be near God when God was near him, that he had open hands, even in the hardest of times, to turn his vision outwards, to look for others who are in need, and to find hope in serving others, and to watch God use him in those moments, and that he trusted God's interpretation more than his own. That's something that can be really helpful for us as well. So let me pray for us. Lord, you are incredibly good to us, and I know that there are lots of moments in our life when we don't see it, when we can't understand it, when the feelings just aren't there. Anyone from the outside looking at our life might feel like, I don't see it. I don't know what God's doing. He doesn't seem to be blessing. But God, help us to trust in your plan. Help us to hold so tight to you. Help us this week to be intentional about the time that we spend with you, about acknowledging you just as the day goes by, that you're with us, that you love us, that you're at work. And just make our prayer, God, that even in the hard stuff that we would be asking you to change us, to use it for good, because we love you. Thank you for the people in this room, many who have had Joseph-like experiences and continue to trust your goodness and your faithfulness. May you prove yourself true and faithful like you always do. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.